Here we go. We can do this. I know we can do this. This is the mop-up for December 8th, 2023. Thank you so much for finding me. I'm David Feldman. Please like this episode so I remain in your feed. Subscribe to my newsletter and this channel. Don't forget to take me wherever you go by downloading this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. With former Speaker Kevin McCarthy leaving Congress before Christmas, Long Island Republican George Santos expelled, and nearly a 90-day wait before he's replaced, most probably by a Democrat, and Ohio Republican Bill Johnson set to resign sometime before March, Speaker Mike Johnson could find himself starting the new year with just a one-vote majority. As I've talked about earlier, when it comes to power in the Republican caucus, it's all about supply and demand. The smaller the supply of Republicans, the more powerful each Republican gets to be and the more they can demand. Each Republican in the House of Representatives right now has their own superpower, and it's the same exact superpower, obstruction. We saw it in the upper house, in the Senate, with Tommy Tuberville, the racist senator from Alabama, and I do mean racist. He spent months blocking military promotions to protest the Pentagon's policy of assisting female troops who need to travel out of state to obtain an abortion. There are 14 states in America where it's impossible to get an abortion. And if you're a female stationed in one of those states, you have to travel to get your abortion. Well, he finally caved this week and stopped blocking those promotions where he was, some say, putting our national security at risk. And when asked what he accomplished through all this, Tommy Tuberville was unable to say because the Pentagon policy remains Female soldiers were and still are able to get their abortions. All he did is what Republicans do, obstruct. And the same goes for Republicans down in the House of Representatives. They all have the same superpower to obstruct or to punish, to censure Adam Schiff Rashida Tlaib, and as of yesterday, yesterday, Jamal Bowman. And they can fire their speakers. They can block spending bills and just make sure nothing happens. So what is the kryptonite to their superpower? Wanting to get something accomplished. Wanting to pass their own legislation that might actually help their constituents then they are powerless. No, it's a lot easier to prevent, to block, to punish, to censure, to remove, to keep a bill from becoming law. It's a lot easier to do that than it is to pass a significant piece 
of legislation. It's a lot easier to destroy something like Obamacare, Social Security, the Department of Education, or Medicaid, or the Environmental Protection Act, which created the EPA. It's a lot easier to defund and destroy than it is to create. Republicans create nothing. Medicare, Social Security, Obamacare, the minimum wage, that was all Democrats. And yes, Nixon created the Environmental Protection Agency. But 10 years later, it was another Republican, Ronald Reagan, who tried to destroy the Environmental Protection Agency by putting Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch's odious mother, Ann Gorsuch, in charge of the Environmental Protection Agency. That was just a glitch. Nixon was riding a liberal wave when he passed the Environmental Protection Act because Republicans are just wrecking balls. That's why Donald Trump is so popular. He's nothing but a wrecking ball. That's what Project 2025 from the Heritage Foundation is all about, destroying things so that when Donald Trump, God forbid, becomes president, thanks to Project 2025, he can hit the ground running on day one to dismantle the entire administrative state in Washington, D.C., to break things, to fire nearly half the federal workforce, to get rid of the Department of Education, the Environmental Protection Agency, and the Department of Energy. There is nothing original or difficult in this type of thinking. And as much as I disapprove of the entire Democratic Party's leadership from top to bottom, at least they believe in good government, in protecting government. When there's a crisis, you want the Democrats to be in charge. Because unlike Republicans, Democrats don't view a crisis as an opportunity to showcase how ineffective government is. When there's a hurricane, an earthquake, a fire, a financial crisis, a pandemic, if Republicans are in charge, they use that crisis as an opportunity to prove why government is ill-equipped to respond and why everything should be privatized, turned over to their private equity cronies who end up charging American citizens considerably more for drastically less. That is the Republican plan to destroy government, replace it with private equity, providing what used to be government services, providing it more expensively and giving you a lot less for it. So one of the constant refrains you will hear on this show I will always ask, where is the Democratic Party's Freedom Caucus? Why isn't the squad being obstructionist? Why, why aren't they gumming up the works in order to push the Democrats further to the left on health care, the environment, or even, God forbid, raising the minimum wage, which hasn't been touched since 2009? I have said on this show that if the emerging left in the House, specifically in the House, behaved like the far-right Freedom Caucus on the right, 
it would force Republicans and Democrats towards the middle. I think they would be forced to work together if if we had a left in the House that was unyielding and as uncompromising as the the Freedom Caucus, it would force Hakeem Jeffries and whatever Cretan is Speaker of the House to move towards the center and negotiate, I think. But instead of the squad making substantive demands, for the most part, for the most part, we have, and as much (laughs) as... It disappoints me. I have to say it's somewhat impressive. We have an entire Democratic Party, at least in the House, marching, generally speaking, not necessarily on Israel, but generally speaking, we have a Democratic House caucus marching pretty much entirely in lockstep. The Democrats right now in the 117th Congress are out of power. But to their credit, they are an immovable force standing up to House Republicans. House Democrats will not bend. They will not yield. They will not cave. I suspect it has something to do with January 6th, when they saw nearly 150 Republicans come back into the Capitol building and still refuse to certify the election for Joe Biden. I think Democrats have used a genuine threat of fascism to put away their internal differences. Now, maybe the threat of fascism is overblown. Or maybe it seems overblown because Democrats in the past seven years rose to the occasion. They impeached Trump twice. I do not like Nancy Pelosi, but she impeached Donald Trump twice. The January 6th hearings put it all out there in front of everyone to see the danger. It's out there. The truth is out there. And that's because of Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and the Democrats. Now, I hope a year from now... People like me on the left will be saying, hey, what what were we so worried about with Trump? That's what I'm hoping for. I hope I'm going to forget that it was the neoliberal Democratic hacks like Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, Hakeem Jeffries and Merrick Garland. I'm hoping they go uncredited for rising to the occasion and standing up to fascism so I can go back to complaining about Democrats using any excuse, finding any ra- any reason not to lift the minimum wage, pass Medicare for all, or provide free tuition at all public universities. I want to get back to being that Democrat who complains about his party and says, it's always something. We always have this manufactured crisis. We, we have to wait till this crisis is solved before we can keep our promises to the left. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, I hate to sound like I'm looking at things from 36,000 feet above it all. There are seasons, whether we like it or not. We are currently uh, in a different season than we were in 2020. 
that was the season of dissatisfaction for Democrats. But that's not the season we're in right now. Whether we like it or not, and we can't really control the seasons, although the oil companies are doing a pretty good job of it, we are in the season right now to defeat fascism. Whether or not you think Donald Trump and the Republicans are authoritarian, theocratic fascists, or blowhards, maybe you think it's not real. Whether you approve of this season or not, this is the season of defeating fascism. I know a lot of my listeners think it's overblown and it's not real. But this, it, the same way winter starts on December 21st, or if you're listening in Australia, you got it wrong. I don't know, what is it, summer in Australia? You can't. This is the season of fighting fascism. And so, politically speaking, I have to give the Democratic leadership, who I loathe, some credit. Because the Republicans in the House know that they cannot chip away at this Democratic firewall. The, the Democratic Party is a firewall right now. You've seen the votes for Speaker. Every single Democrat votes for Hakeem Jeffries. And so that leaves Republicans with no other alternative than turning inward, turning on themselves. The Democrats are kind of leaving the Republicans alone. This is, you know, if, if we could ignore somebody who's divisive and problematic, they tend to turn on themselves. You make their universe smaller, they cannibalize themselves. I don't know what your family dynamics have been or what kind of friends you've had or work situations, but when you're with dangerous cohorts, if you can safely remove yourself from them, they end up consuming themselves. And that's what we're seeing the Republicans do because the Democrats won't budge. They won't bite. They won't dignify. Hakeem Jeffries, the House Minority Leader, uh, he's the Democratic leadership in the House, for better or worse, I think worse, he's a bag man for Wall Street, as Howie Klein says, but he is quite adept at keeping his entire caucus in line, creating this immovable force that says no to the Republicans. No! You're sick. You're authoritarian. You're violent. You only want to destroy and break things, but you're not going to break this party. Go break yourself, but you're not breaking us. We, we know exactly who you are, what you want, who's funding you, and we, as the shadow party, the Democrats, will obstruct you. We will obstruct the obstructionists. You will get nothing. And by doing that, it's quite remarkable. By doing that, Democrats in the House have accelerated the Republican crackup. They, in many ways, are responsible for the Republican crackup we're witnessing in the House of Representatives right now. 
Mike Johnson cannot govern. And it's not. uh, It's because of the Democrats. It's because of the Democrats. He cannot control or govern his jackals. The Republicans have to destroy something. That's in their DNA. They're looking for a fight. They have to fight and destroy. And when they can't destroy the Democrats, when the Democrats won't give them an inch, then uh, they turn inward. That's what's happening. The Republicans are now turning on Mike Johnson. How long has he been speaker? I, I don't even know. A month? Six weeks? No matter what he tries to do within his own party, it's not good enough for these animals. For example, he has to pass the National Defense Authorization Act. He has to get the National Defense Authorization Act passed because Republicans are strong on defense. And if you can't get the National Defense Authorization Act passed, it's going to be a disaster for Republicans. They they have to pass this. This is one of the things they believe in. But the hard right, they've gone ahead and attached all these culture war amendments and writers to the National Defense Authorization Act that makes it impossible for Democrats in the Senate to sign on to their version of the National Defense Authorization Act. So, So Johnson... He has to get this passed. He's got his big boy pants on. He stripped out an amendment that refuses to fund abortions for soldiers, right? This is what Tommy Tuberville, the racist, and I do mean racist, Tommy Tuberville from Alabama, the senator, is a racist. This is what Tommy Tuberville, the racist, uh, this is why he was holding up all the military promotions in the Senate over abortion, Now, Republicans can't turn on each other. They can't turn on the Democrats because of this. So they they turn on the Republicans who cave. They turn on each other. Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, is now perceived by the hard right as a turncoat, especially when it comes to his issue, abortion. He has betrayed Mr. Christ, Mike Christy Johnson, abortion, that's his issue. That's why he got the speakership on abortion. Well, he's now perceived as a turncoat. The far right is furious that he's stripping out the abortion rider, the anti-abortion rider from the, uh, the defense bill. We may not have a defense bill passed. Well, we won't. By next week, won't be passed. They go on vacation a week from today. Then there's reauthorizing Section 702. I think it's Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. You have serious libertarians in the Republican Party who have been working on two separate bills that uh, would reform how the NSA scoops up information on foreign nationals and then in turn, on American citizens. It expires on January 1st. Now, Republicans 
run on keeping us safe. So they have to reauthorize Section 702. I hope I'm getting the number right. I think it's Section 702. Let me... Yeah, it's Section 702. The Republicans have to either reform 702 or reauthorize it before January 1st. Either way, otherwise, it expires and Republicans cannot be perceived as weak on defense. The Republicans, like I said, start their vacation a week from today, and that's sacrosanct. The Republicans are going home a week from today. And there's simply no way that these two competing bills in the House on Section 702, one of which comes from uh, Judiciary Chair Chair, uh, Jim Jordan, there's no way these two competing bills in the House will be resolved. There's no way any one of them is going to make it out of the House up to the Senate, which is working on its own reform for Section 702. There's no way it's going to get passed and then ironed out in a conference committee and then it has to be passed again in both houses and then signed by Biden. There's no way Section 702 gets reauthorized by December 31st. And Johnson knows that. And he's got his big boy pants on. He's the speaker. So he's flailing. He's desperate. He's a sweat act, as they say. He is all over the place on Section 702. He is out of his league. He doesn't know how to get things passed through his caucus. First, he was going to attach Jim Jordan's bill that reformed 702. He was going to attach that to the National Defense Authorization Act. Then he wasn't. Then he is. As far as I know, uh, right now he isn't. But by the time this episode is over, he may have changed his mind again. He's also thinking of kicking the can down the road on Section 702 by asking members of his caucus to vote for a three-month extension of 702. And that outrages some members of the Republican caucus because they're opposed to any continuing resolutions when it comes to the budget, when it comes to reauthorizing something like 702, either pass the bill or don't. That's what some House Republicans believe. So it is conceivable and most likely that Mike Johnson and the Republican-controlled House a week from today will start their Christmas vacation, not their holiday vacation. We're talking about the the Republicans. They take a Christmas vacation vacation. Democrats take a holiday vacation. It is conceivable that Mike Johnson, the speaker, will start his Christmas vacation a week from today without an extension for 702 in place, without a Defense Authorization Act passed. No emergency funding for Israel. That's not happening between now and next week, unless there's a miracle. And Mike Johnson has painted himself in a corner when it comes to Ukraine. He said 
this week, there is not going to be any funding for Ukraine unless Joe Biden and the Democrats in the Senate agree to H.R. 2. That is the big border bill that Congress passed this year with not a single member of the Democratic Party voting for it. He has tied H.R. 2, the big border bill, he's tied it to funding for Ukraine. Now, H.R. 2 literally calls for military detention camps for migrants and no asylum, pretty much, for anyone. It probably wouldn't hold up even in front of this Supreme Court. Democrats have said there's no way they would sign on to it. And not a single Democrat in the House voted for it, had a pass with just a Republican majority. And for Mike Jansen to attach the border bill to funding for Ukraine is the absolute height of hypocrisy. He got elected speaker by promising his caucus that there would be single subject bills. He promised no more hostage taking by, you know, bundling bills together and forcing people to vote for something they're against because the bill also has something they're for. That was his big thing. That was the promise he made. No more hostage taking, single subject bills, no bundling. But that's exactly what Johnson is doing with the border and Ukraine. He's bundling a bill together. He's saying, you, you can't have funding for Ukraine. I know you want it, President Biden, unless you also vote for our border bill, which you don't want. Johnson is holding Ukraine hostage, which he promised he wouldn't do. Johnson is probably going to kill funding for Ukraine and a lot of Ukrainians. Johnson, when he became speaker, got fitted with his big boy pants. He got taken down into the situation room by Joe Biden. This is true. He brought Joe Biden brought the new speaker into the situation uh, room and showed him what was going on in Ukraine. And Johnson, who was against funding for Ukraine, saw the light. He realized Ukraine needs weapons. And since becoming speaker, Mike Johnson has done a 180. And he said, literally said, we cannot allow Vladimir Putin to march through Europe. Uh, but his Republican caucus, well, there are a lot of guys and gals rooting for Putin in the Republican caucus. And so what's he going to do in order to placate them? He's got to pass the border bill. He's got to bundle Ukraine with the border and say to them, look, I know you love Vladimir Putin. I know you see him as the great white Christian hope for Asia and Eastern Europe. I know you love his anti-LGBTQ authoritarian impulses. But I'll give you the border in exchange for you agreeing to a $60 billion funding bill for Ukraine. 
That's what he's trying to do. And there is no way between today and next week he will figure out a way to get funding for Ukraine. He painted himself or the border. The, the, Congress has not been able to pass a border bill in 20 years because you really, as I just pointed out earlier, it's like abortion. They, they don't want to solve the border the same way they don't want to eradicate abortion. They need the border and abortion for fundraising. I've talked about that before. So Mike Johnson has painted himself in a corner. Uh, now, he could pass Ukraine, funding for Ukraine, but only with the Democrats helping out. As a single subject spending bill, all with a razor thin majority, he just needs a handful of Republicans to vote yes with a vast majority of Democrats going along with it. So he could pass funding for Ukraine very easily as a single subject bill, which he had promised he was only going to introduce. But he's terrified of that because Ukraine would pass with the Democrats because of the Democrats. And that would seal his doom within this fractious, sick and twisted Republican caucus. If a bill passes because a majority of Democrats want it, they're going to blame Mike Johnson and they're going to vacate the chair. Mike Johnson is in hell. It is conceivable that a week from now, this incompetent who busy praying on all this when he should be rolling up his sleeves and actually working a week from now, he will close up shop for the Christmas holidays without Section 702, border security, Ukraine, Israel, the National Defense Act. He won't even have a top line number on what the 2024 budget is supposed to be. None of this will be settled by the Christmas break. And there will be a Christmas break. He will not deprive his Republican caucus of going home to play golf and pretend to see their families. And why is that? Well, partly because the Democrats refuse to budge. Now, if there's a government shutdown, don't forget, in January, half of the continuing resolution expires. The other half expires in February. If there is a government shutdown, it will be Mike Johnson's fault. All of this, all of it, politically speaking, will be the fault of the Republicans. And if you were to ask Biden, Schumer, Jeffries, what the downside to all of this is for them, it would be Ukraine. That is the thing where they separate the politics and you ask them, what do you care most about? Because they're probably enjoying all of this. There's one component that is keeping them up at night, and that is Ukraine. It is generally agreed that Ukraine's counteroffensive is not driving Russia out of the Donbass region or Crimea. It has turned into a war of attrition. It's World War I. This is trench warfare. Gain an inch, lose an inch. This is what's keeping Joe Biden and the Democrats up at night. This transcends politics. 
whether you agree with them or not, they are genuinely concerned that Ukraine is going to fall. Uh, But other than World War III, the Democrats have the Republicans right where they want them going into 2024, except for Ukraine and the possibility of this spreading uh, to the other parts of Eastern Europe, the Democrats have the Republicans right where they want them. Again, none of this uh, moves the progressive agenda forward. But that's not the season we're in. See, I don't approve of winter. It's happening, whether I like it or not. And we're not in a season for the Democrats to be moving a progressive agenda. That's not what the 117th Congress is about, because the Democrats lost the House in 2022. I don't approve of that. I wanted the Democrats to keep the House. This happened without my approval. But they lost the House. And this is how things go when you lose the House. Uh, This is normally how things This is normally the changing of the seasons. You get a new president in 2020. He usually wins with some sort of mandate, which Biden sort of had because of the the election in Georgia. He had uh, he got the Senate. Right. Remember Ossoff. And uh, there I go again. I keep forgetting his name. Raphael Warnick. Raphael Warnick. And uh, Ossoff uh, won won the runoffs on January 5th, the 2021. So Biden came to office with a pretty nice mandate. He got the House. He got the Senate. He got the presidency. And that gave him the entire 116th Congress. This is now the 117th Congress. But when Biden took office, it was the 116th Congress. And he had two years to pass legislation. And quantitatively, it was historic. Not qualitatively, but Biden was Johnson-esque in the scope of legislation he passed during his first two years in office. Lyndon Johnson, not Mike Johnson-esque. He was Johnson-esque. If you check the numbers, he's up there with Johnson in terms of passing legislation. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, the CHIPS Act, that coupled with all the executive orders tackling the environment and gun violence, they have been considering what he's up against monumental. Not enough. Not enough. Far from it but monumental in terms of the sheer volume of executive orders and legislation that he has passed. Yes, the legislation he passed was filled with goodies and Easter eggs for everyone I hate. Kind of like Obama's 2009 stimulus package, which was also lacking. Uh, But Biden's bills... Uh, Biden pushed through some bills that will usher in generational change. The same way you cannot overstate the impact of Obama's 2009 stimulus bill, 
you, you can't overstate how Biden's accomplishments in the 116th Congress will change history. Obama's stimulus bill in 2009, painfully short. It should have been much more. It wasn't even a trillion dollars. It did not juice the economy the way it could have had he poured money uh, out of Congress and into the economy. But that stimulus bill that Obama passed, the solar energy revolution that we're experiencing right now, the alternative energy revolution that we're witnessing right now, cheap alternative energy, which we kind of take for granted, wind farms, electric vehicles, all of that, all of that was almost unimaginable until Obama's stimulus package, which jump-started entirely new energy sectors. These bills... Uh, these spending bills kind of fly under the radar because they're not labeled like the alternative energy bill. It's just a spending bill. But when you look under the hood of a spending bill, you can see things that are almost as big as Medicaid and Medicare and Social Security, but they're not called what they are. Because if they were called what they really are, the Republicans would uh, kill them. Long after Joe Biden leaves office, the pieces of legislation from the 116th Congress that were far from enough, uh, that, that pumped billions into the fossil fuel sector, gave billions to the, the, the horrible internet providers, the banks, I know that, uh, pump billions into the pockets of people we hate. These bills also pump billions into the next generation of alternative energy manufacturers, and it will be transformative. Now, we knew, we, we knew he was going to lose the House in 2022. We knew that the 117th Congress that convened in January of this year, we knew this would be some sort of divided government where nothing really got done for the next two years. Those are the inevitabilities of America's political seasons. I don't approve of winter. Uh, I'm not being fatalistic here. I you know, I wanted the Democrats to control the House after 2022. It didn't happen. But you got to chalk that up to the seasons, partly. Presidents who take office with both houses of Congress tend to lose one of those houses in the midterms. Divided government, unfortunately, seems to be baked into our political cycles. What we were expecting in 2022 was a massive red wave in last year's midterms. Didn't materialize. The polls were telling us, get ready for the red tsunami. Those of you wringing your hands about the polls right now, a year from the general election, never forget, we were told it was going to be a red wave in 2022. 
didn't happen. And a year into this Congress, we may be looking at a one-seat majority for the Republicans. They barely had a majority at the beginning of the 117th Congress. So why was that? Why didn't the red wave materialize after two years of Joe Biden? Because despite what all the polling showed, despite Joe Biden's approval rating being underwater last year, despite how unpopular Joe Biden has been for the past two and a half years, when it comes time for Americans to actually vote, I'm talking about the 40% of the Americans who can vote and do vote. They realized last year that Biden and the Democrats are the best this creaky, arthritic system can do. And what the past year has been is Democrats and Biden playing defense. They went on offense the first two years of the Biden administration. There's also defense. You got to be able to play defense. That has been all the Democrats can do this year is play defense. Playing defense is really important. Like I said, the first two years of the Biden administration was all about getting bills passed in the 100 16th Congress was all about Joe Biden's executive orders. And then now we're in year one of a two year cycle where Democrats have to protect all that they accomplished during the first two years of the Biden administration. That's how it's go. That's how it goes. That's the game. There's offense and then there's defense. You have to protect all the legislation, all the executive orders. You have to protect them in the courts. They're constantly being challenged in the courts. And you have to protect the executive orders and the legislation from Republicans in the House who keep trying to claw back Joe Biden's progressive gains. For example, the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, wasn't Bernie's Build Back Better? But there were some things in the Inflation Reduction Act that were monumental. One of the provisions in the Inflation Reduction Act called for an additional funding for the IRS, $80 billion more for the Internal Revenue Service to make sure the rich pay their fair share to make sure corporations pay taxes. Now, I can sit and I do in my in my ivory tower and I can be a class reductionist calling for some kind of peaceful revolution, but it's really never going to materialize, not in the police state we live in. You can do that. You can just sit on the sidelines and, and, and say we, we need a complete overhaul of the system and accomplish nothing. Or you can roll up your sleeves and do the dirty work of figuring out how bills become law. And then you can actually redistribute wealth peacefully 
and painlessly, at least for the 99%, by grabbing hold of the U.S. tax code and then making sure the Internal Revenue Service is fully funded. You say you want a revolution. You want a top-down redistribution of wealth the way I do. You want to punish the billionaire class and their children, mostly their children. Well, we need an army of accountants to seize the commanding heights of our tax code. I'm not against protesting, but the real revolution, the real revolution doesn't take place in the streets. It takes place inside the Internal Revenue Service. When you pump $80 billion into the Internal Revenue Service, the way Joe Biden has, that is going to change inequality dramatically. More perhaps than anything, more perhaps than the, 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 the child tax credit, when you pump $80 billion into the Internal Revenue Service and they're mandated to go after the rich, that is a top-down redistribution of the, of, of the wealth in this country. Uh, and that is worth playing defense for, which is what the Democrats, ever since losing the House last year, they've been playing defense. And the number one priority of this new Republican majority of godless hypocrites, their number one priority has been to claw back that $80 billion that was earmarked for the Internal Revenue Service. That is their number one priority. Back in June, Biden and then Speaker Kevin McCarthy ironed out the Fiscal Responsibility Act, right? Because Republicans, they're, they're the adults. They're fiscally responsible, right? And so they lifted the debt ceiling. Remember this? It's, I know it's hard to remember all of this. But they lifted the debt ceiling through the Fiscal Responsibility Act so America wouldn't default on its debt. Biden had to work with McCarthy and play defense because the Republicans won the House. And in this debt ceiling bill, one of the chief compromises was to give back some of that $80 billion that had been earmarked for the Internal Revenue Service. Think about this for a second. It's called the Fiscal Responsibility Act. This was back in June. And, and McCarthy got two things for his party in that bill. There was work requirements for food stamps, and he shaved a couple of billion off the 80 billion earmarked in the Inflation Reduction Act for the Internal Revenue Service. That was what McCarthy accomplished in his nine months as Speaker. And it's precisely why Chip Roy, the Texas Republican, the firebrand, he keeps shouting at his fellow far-right colleagues in the House, 
You've seen the clips of him. Name one thing we can run on. Name, we've had the House for a year. Name one thing we can take back to our constituents and say, we did this for you. And he's right. He's right. The American people know Republicans are frauds. They call themselves fiscal hawks. The party of fiscal responsibility that promises to tackle our debt, our, what, $32 trillion debt. They kicked and screamed about raising the debt ceiling. And the only way they would agree to raise the debt ceiling was, you know, making some people work for food stamps. But mostly, they got Biden to agree to defund the one agency that reduces debt, the Internal Revenue Service. I mean, the hypocrisy is truly incredible. We're, we're fiscally responsible. We, how do you pay for things? By the way, uh, gut the Internal Revenue Service so we can't pay for anything. God forbid the Republicans get rid of the Trump tax cuts for the rich, which tacked on eight trillion, more than eight trillion dollars to our debt. So our debt is, what, $32 trillion? And uh, the, the, the Trump tax cuts tacked on $8 trillion. So what is that? Uh, one, that would be about a, a four, I can't, a 16, one-fourth, quarter? Yeah, it's about a quarter of the, of the entire debt uh, is the uh, Trump tax cuts for the rich. And now, when Republicans in the House pass a $14 billion spending bill for Israel. Mike Johnson loves Israel, right? Mike Johnson's $14 billion spending bill for Israel says, we'll give Israel $14 billion, but it has to be taken out of the Internal Revenue Service. This has pissed off members of his caucus for doing that. Uh, you cannot pay for things unless you fund our Internal Revenue Service because our IRS is outgunned. The rich don't pay taxes because they have more attorneys and more accountants than the Internal Revenue Service has. But that's who Mike Johnson, Mr. Jesus, that's who he protects, the rich from the IRS. Jesus says, render unto Caesar, pay your taxes. But Mike Johnson knows better than Jesus. Jesus says the meek shall inherit the earth. But Mike Johnson says the meek can have all the earth they want. He's making sure the idiot children of the rich inherit their parents' overfunded retirement accounts. The, the hypocrisy of these people calling themselves fiscal hawks or disciples of Christ. It's mind-boggling. So Congress is heading for the doors after next week, and I will bitch and moan that they haven't accomplished anything. Uh, but except for Ukraine, which desperately needs that, that supplemental, this is the way... Things are supposed to be for the Democrats right now. It's actually, except for Ukraine, 
the Democrats have been pretty successful. Republicans in the House cannot govern. Mike Johnson cannot govern the Republicans. And considering that this is the season of Democrats playing defense, protecting everything Biden accomplished in his first two years in office, that's a good thing. Playing defense in the 117th Congress is a good thing. And the, the Republicans uh, are being held back because the Democrats are good at playing defense. The less Republicans can accomplish, the less they can destroy the accomplishments of Joe Biden and the Democrats during the 116th Congress, the better off the party and the American people are. Again, I don't approve of winter, but it's about, what, 14 days away? I don't approve of the seasons changing. This is not the season of progress. I wish it were. It is the season of protecting what we have. And because the lights are up and Dean Martin is singing, let it snow every time I go to my Korean grocer, it's also the season of gratitude. Biden and the Democrats, they don't do it for me. But in a world of lesser of two evils, they are most certainly the lesser of two evils in this season of gratitude. That is not music to the ears of anyone who since October 1st of this year now has to pay back their student loans. This is not, there's nothing to be grateful for if you're living in your car or on the streets. It's not music to the ears of half this country living paycheck to paycheck. I get that. This country is sick. This is a very sick country in decay. So maybe a little understanding for a country that's infirmed. Now, like I said, Ukraine is the most pressing issue as far as the Democratic leadership is concerned. And here's a window. When you look at Ukraine, that is a window into just how sick America is. We spend nearly a trillion dollars each year on defense. But when it comes time to help Ukraine, we need an emergency Supplemental? How is this possible? We spend more money on weapons than the rest of the world combined. And because of that, we can't fund our schools, our libraries. We can't provide universal health care or universal daycare because we have to spend all that money on defense. So every year, we throw close to a trillion dollars at our defense department. But then, when it's time to defend ourselves, like, say, in Ukraine, the Pentagon says, oh, for that, we're going to need more money. We need a $110 billion supplemental. That means over and above what we're already spending 
for Israel, Taiwan, border, and Ukraine. We are being told by Shalanda Young, Joe Biden's budget director, that unless Congress passes an emergency supplemental before Christmas, there will be no money left for Ukraine. And we are being told because of that, Ukraine will lose the war to Russia. And Vladimir Putin will march through Europe. That's what we're being told. I believe some of that. I believe there is no money, despite our giving a trillion dollars each year that we know of to the Defense Department. I believe there isn't the $60 billion available for Ukraine. I also believe that Vladimir Putin is a mortal threat to the Ukrainian people and Eastern Europe and to the United States. I do believe that. Uh, so the question that Shalanda Young, Joe Biden's budget director, needs to be asked, the question that Joe Biden needs to be asked, the question that Anthony Blinken needs to be asked, Austin, our, the head of the Defense Department, uh, why don't you have the $60 billion? What have you done with the $1 trillion we gave you last year? And why can't you find it? Why can't you find $60 billion in the close to $1 trillion we're about to give you for this year, for 2024? We left Afghanistan two years ago. We are not fighting any wars right now. Out of a nearly $1 trillion defense budget, you can't find $60 billion for Ukraine? Are you effing kidding me? Where did the money go? Who knows? One of the great mysteries of the universe, Pentagon spending. Cannot audit the Pentagon. It's impossible. They tried. Donald Rumsfeld tried. Cannot do it. Why? Well, you can't audit slush funds. Over and above the nearly $1 trillion we spend each year on defense, there are layers upon layers of slush funds, secret accounts that nobody knows about. Maybe the president knows about a couple of them. So, you mean to tell me that Vladimir Putin is an existential threat, not just to Ukraine, but to Eastern Europe and democracies all around the world? And there's no, you can't find $60 billion in your $1 trillion budget. No slush fund. No $60 billion slush fund. For Ukraine. Interesting. Well, yeah. In this season of peace, I'm going to offer up an olive branch uh, to the Freedom Caucus on the far right. Maybe 
in this season of peace. Maybe the Freedom Caucus, maybe Chip Roy, is a little bit right. I don't know. And it pains me to, to, to say this because I despise everyone in the Freedom Caucus. What if we said to President Biden, Anthony Blinken, and the generals over at the Pentagon, you say Ukraine is so important, you say Ukraine needs $60 billion. We're just about to pass a National Defense Authorization Act giving you close, I think it's like $860 billion. $860 billion. Find the $60 billion for Ukraine. Find it. That's my olive branch to Chip Roy and the Freedom Caucus in, the, in this season of peace and reconciliation. If Ukraine is so important and Putin is so dangerous, which I happen to believe, and you need $60 billion, it's in there somewhere. Grab a shovel and start digging through all that bullshit. You'll find it. I'm David Feldman, reminding you to stay strong and protect the week. Thank you so much for listening to me. Uh, please uh, like this so I stay in your feed. Please share this with your friends. Uh, please subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website. Please subscribe to this channel. Thank you to Bob, I guess Autumn too, Autumn in the uh, one of the mods, the two mods in our chat room. I forgot the results of the, I didn't give you the results of the poll from yesterday's show. And the question was, Mike Johnson is A, Satan? I can't remember. I'm sorry. Satan was the answer. It was, he had three choices in the poll. Mike Johnson is a, something like Satan, Paul Lynn's idiot grandson or something else. Satan won. Uh, I apologize for not giving you the results of the poll yesterday. And I apologize for not remembering the exact results. So uh, I think that covers everything. I think I'm going to do a show tomorrow. I want There's some issues that I want to tackle. Uh, so I think I'm going to do a show sometime tomorrow. Thank you all for, for listening to this nonsense. I really appreciate it. And I will see you all tomorrow. 